Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Well, believe it or not, we are going to go through 16 verses this morning. So I hope you have nothing to do for lunch and dinner. No, I'm kidding. Hopefully we can, well, I shouldn't say hopefully. We'll zip through it. We'll make it. It's Romans chapter 4 we're starting. And if you will, let's stand for the, the reading of God's Word. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness, the faith, which he hath while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who are not only as the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because of the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for your word. We thank you for your truth. And we just pray, Lord, as we hear about Abraham and others, that we too, Lord, would have the walk of Abraham. Faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so let's start it off. Verse 1, notice, what that shall we say? Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh. That word found means to see, learn, discover, and understand. What did he learn according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Remember, justified means to be, to be declared righteous which is not the point here. There's no way that Abraham could have been declared righteous before God. 
For what does the scripture say? Let's get back to scripture. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. That word believed means to be persuaded, to think to be true, to trust, to have confidence. Accounted. These are words I know we've gone over, but let's go over them again. Accounted. It also means to impute to one's accounts. Verse 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but debt. If he's working for grace, now it's not grace, it's debt. Most of us work. When we get done the week, we expect, expect to be paid. That's a wage. Now, I shouldn't make this joke, but it's there, so I'll throw it at you. Nowadays, though, a lot of people think they could just sit in their house and get paid for it. Well, that just doesn't work. You, you work a day's wage, you get paid a day's wage. But this is different. This is what, what Paul's alluding to. Abraham didn't work for it. This is not wages. He didn't earn it. You can't earn it. I can't earn it. There's no way to earn it. Look at verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Does not work, but believes. Justifies the ungodly. Who's he speaking of? He's speaking of Abraham, who was from Ur. Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur was in Babylonia. Babylonia is, if you will, listen, is the seat of all deceit. The seat of all deceit. That's where the Tower of Nimrod or or Babel was started. All false religions have their root in Babylon. When Abraham was in Ur, it was full of idolatry. They worshipped all these other gods. It was, again, a heritage that he was in because it's where his family was now living for a while now. So if we turn there, if you will, we're just going to flip over a few pages to, to, well, to the beginning of the book, to Genesis. But we're going to look at a few passages in Genesis in Abraham's life quickly. And it starts with 12. Genesis chapter 12. Remember, Abraham is in a very ungodly society. More or less, he is practicing idolatry too. He's not righteous before God. Now, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, exalted father. His name was first Abram. We'll get to that. Get out of your country from your family. And from your father's house, get away from all that to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Nothing Abraham did. This was all God. God's finding Abraham. God's calling him out. God's calling him out of, a, if you will, the world in its idolatry, in its deceits, in its evil, in its way of living apart from God. God calls Abraham out of this. And if you jump to chapter 13, look at verses 14 and 17 through 17. And the Lord said to Abram, 
after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, east, west, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also would be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length, its width, for I give it to you. Abraham didn't deserve this. Abraham didn't earn this. Abraham was given this. Now, if you will, jump to Genesis 15. Look at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And an heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and he was accounted to him for righteousness. So what and how did Abram become righteous? He just Believed God. That's it. Trusted. Calculated it to be true. Had confidence in it. Belief. But now the Jew might say, but wait a minute, let's go back now to Romans. Just free like that? Aren't we supposed to earn it? Aren't we supposed to work at it? Now notice, verse 6. He brings in somebody else. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Stop. So to the Jews at this time, there were really just three biggies, if you will. The three biggies, Abraham, Moses, and David. David was the greatest of the kings, beloved of God. David was the one that, if you will, started to implement by trusting God of conquering the land. David means beloved, and God said that David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man that, you know what, girls would swoon after him, if you would, in our day and age. Why? Because he was a poet. Oh, those poets. Girls and musicians. It's always puzzled me, especially when I grew up in the era of the 70s. In the 80s, the musicians were tall, skinny, with long hair, and they looked like goofballs. And yet the girls would swoon of them. Oh, why? I never, but David was a poet. But wait a minute, men. David was also a warrior. We'd be going, yeah, David, man, that's the dude. That's the man. David, beloved of God, warrior, slayer of giants, victory. Tens of thousands he slayed, as the song goes. But wait a minute. Notice what Paul's quoting. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. 
Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. What's this all counted about? Blessed means to count happy. Happy. Covered means to cover over. Happy, verse 8, impute sin. Why, David, what's he quoting here? He's quoting Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is a psalm that David wrote after an incident. You're familiar with it. See, David, when he should have been out warring in the springtime, instead he was laying back, kicking back. One evening he got up from his bed and he went out to his balcony, if you will, looked out there and behold, there was this beautiful woman bathing, Bathsheba. And he said, oh, oh, who's that? Bathsheba. The wife of Uriah. You know, Uriah, one of your 30 warriors of elite status. That Uriah. The Hittite. The foreigner. Oh. Bring her to me. You know the story. Sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. He informs her, hey, I'm with baby. He says, mmm, this ain't good. Gotta cover this up. I know. I'll have Uriah come back from the war. Tell him, ask him, how's it going? And send him off to his wife. He'll sleep with her. It'll be all covered up. He comes. Uriah reports. But here's the thing. David says, good. Uh, here's some food. Now go home and, you know, sleep with your wife. Enjoy. Next morning, he finds him sleeping at his door with his other servants. He says, what are you doing? He goes, my Lord, I, I, I can't go to a home where it's nice and cozy, where the ark is in a tent. My, my fellow soldiers are sleeping out in the stars. No, my Lord, I, I won't do this. So David goes, hmm, this is a problem. I know what I'll do. Invite him over. We'll have a feast. I'll get him drunk. I'll send him home. Well, the same thing happens. This time, though, he just sleeps with the servants. David's going, this isn't working. This guy's, this guy's a little local for me. So what does he do? Plans his murder. Sends him off to Joab. Writes Joab note, which side note, Joab is one of the most puzzling, interesting characters in the Bible. So Joab puts him to the front of the line where the mightiest of the other enemy's warriors are and then instructs everybody else to pull back. And there's Uriah fighting by himself. So he dies. David thinks, I got it. It's done. It's covered. But see, something was going on in David's heart. He said, when I kept silence, my bones grew old through my groanings. All the day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity. I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Now wait a minute. Understand something. That according to the law, the adulterer and the adulteress were to die. Do you understand? David, beloved of God, sinned horribly before God. 
David was able to say, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute account his sin to him. And then he goes on and says this, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall, shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Does it sound familiar to you? We sing that song many times. Do you sing it? Do you understand what Paul's doing here though? He's saying here's Abraham and Abraham was in the world. He wasn't this godly man. God called him out. God gave him the promises. It was God. What did Abraham do? I believe you God. Oh, but wait a minute. We've got to be some kind of trick to it. There's got to be works or deeds to it. Okay, what about David? Nothing David could do. David was not perfect. David was not righteous. David also was a sinner. So again, it was God who did the work. It was God's grace. Now look at verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only, only to the Jew, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Circumcised Jew, only Abraham was accounted righteous. The covenant of circumcision came through Abraham. So was Abraham then justified because he was circumcised? How then was it counted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Listen. Abraham, Abram, was actually, if you will, called to the land, given the promises, just like we read, we read, thir- we read 12, 13, 14, or 12, 13, 15, excuse me. We read those, and we're like, oh, that's cool. God's given this promise, the heir and everything else. It wasn't until f- at least 14 years later that God called Abraham to circumcise. Circumcision now. Becomes the seal. After the promises. After God accounted him righteous because he believed God. So it doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter if you go to church 50 times a year and miss the two only because you're sick. It doesn't matter how many times you read your Bible. It doesn't matter how many times you have or how many places you have scripture poured out all over the place. It doesn't matter if anything you have ever done. It doesn't get you anything. Does that surprise you? Because that's work. God does not require any work, only faith to believe. And then the response from that. See, just as Abraham had to respond, what was it? Get out of the land, get out of the world. But not just get out of the world, come to the place I'm telling you to be. And go there. And then listen to me because I have promises for you. Do you know you do that every Sunday? And I know this is miniature. It really is, though. See, what we do is when we come to church is we come out of the world and we come to a place where we hear God's promises. Isn't that wonderful? And see, when you take out your Bible to read it, you're coming out of the world and you're sitting down and you go, your promises. It wasn't anything Abraham did. It's all what God did, and it's what God continues to do. 
Look at verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they were uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Whether circumcised or not circumcised, Abraham became the father of us all. In verse 4 in chapter 17 of Genesis, says, and before behold, my covenant is with you, Abram, and you should be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, <clears throat> excuse me, exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of many nations or father of multitude. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Also, I give to you your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. I will be their God. So. Abraham becomes the father not only of the Jew, of the circumcised, but also to the uncircumcised, you and I. What God has done with Abraham, God continues to do for all believers because of the seed that came through Abraham. Abraham, also if you notice, Receive the sign of circumcision. The sign for a seal. That word seal means that which by anything is confirmed, proved, authenticated. So because of your faith, now this is how we authenticate it, is through circumcision. This is the seal, if you will. Now, you and I might think, well, I wish we had something like that. Oh, we do. Colossians chapter 2. You might want to underline these verses. Verses 9 through 11. For him in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Jesus. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You too, you and I, we have come out of the world of Babylon and we have come to Him who is the Maker. We have come to Him who is the King. We have come to Him who is Lord of all lords. We come to Him and He circumcises our hearts. That now the law is written in our hearts. That you and I have a spiritual conviction. That we know what is right and we know what is wrong. And it's been given to us. That we too can understand the wisdom and understanding of God. For once we were in darkness, now we have been given light. So what is the heart of the message? We come to it now, if you will. Look at verse 12. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. 
That word walk means to direct one's life, to live, to walk orderly as a soldier. In the steps, it means to footprint, track, footstep. Metaphorically, it means imitating the example of someone. Faith, that conviction of truth, to have trust and conviction in God. So what Paul is saying here is that we too walk in the footsteps of Abraham. You ever done this? I, I've learned to do this because of working in Nebraska, which before I never probably would have done. But when there's snow, especially when it gets high, I'd have to walk around houses and stuff. And I learned to figure out the steps to go because sometimes you go like this, you go, and, it's, and you're up to here in snow and you go, oh man, darn it. And you're your shoe and your boot or whatever you're wearing is full of snow now and you've got to get it out because it'll it'll get it'll basically defrost, it'll get wet, your feet will get wet, then your feet gets frozen. So you learn to wear walk around the house, so then you basically step in the same steps. Yes, you make a path, but it's a safe path. And that's what God Paul is alluding to here, is that we've seen how Abraham walked. How did he walk? He walked out of the world following God and Following God to where God's promises were for him. But not only following him to hear the promises, he believed in God's promises. And then that was accounted to righteousness. And then God sealed him and said, you are mine. And now we understand that's the truth of my faith too. So I walk in the steps of Abraham, trusting in God. Was Abraham perfect? No. He even fell later too. A few times with his wife is saying, this is my sister. She's beautiful. I don't want anybody killing me for her. And ends up being a lie, really, and deception. So Abraham wasn't perfect, but at the same time, he learned to walk with God. And we always think about Abraham. We think, well, man, if I could have lived back then and God would have told me these things, then my faith would have been strong too. Understand something. Abraham lived 175 years how many chapters of do we have here that God spoke to him? How many years did he hear nothing that he just had to trust God? That's the same with us. We walk in steps of faith. We walk as Abraham walked. Look at verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Now, understand something. Abraham was not saved by the law. How do we know this? The law didn't come for like over 400 years later. I think 430, I think was the number. Abraham was before the law. He was counted to righteousness. Before the law. So the law had no bearing or condition on anything about or separating him from grace. God's grace. That's what he received was God's grace. Unmerited favor. Why Abraham? Don't know. Don't think that Abraham was walking around with a halo and Ur. Ain't there. God did see something. He saw some clay that he could work with. See, there's none righteous, no, not one. Remember, we went over this. 
But the master creator, the master craftsman, he, he looks at us and I think he likes a challenge. It's like I have a challenge in my bathroom. I have this one room, last room, last room, and I just want to hang up every hammer, everything I've ever done in my life and just be done with it. But one more thing, and this thing is like, this is like angles all over the place. And I just go, oh, this is going to be really, really fun for Mark. Because <laughs> all I have to do is frame it out. <laughs> But the the trick is, again, is that even though it's there, it's going to look beautiful because Mark is a master craftsman. God is the ultimate craftsman. And you might feel yourself a lumpy piece of clay. But you know what? That's the ones he chooses. The ones the world would go, nah, that's nothing. That's no good for anything. But then the master craftsman takes that clay and he makes something of it. And the only thing he requires of us to trust and believe. Trust and believe. To walk as Abraham walked. Verse 15, because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. We already went over this. The law was just brought in to be a mirror and show us, look, this is who you really are. You know, you start thinking yourself really good and then you look at the law and you go, oh man, I'm not doing very well. It's all. It's all it was meant to do because nobody could keep it. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace. If you want unmerited favor, if you want also God's riches at Christ's expense so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Faith according to grace promises might be sure. What promises? Remember Romans 1.17? We went over this. We went over chapter 1. Just making sure I get it. For the righteousness, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Do you know that God wrote this several times for us? I'm just going to give you a few of them. In Galatians 3.11 it says this, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Meaning, do you trust me or you don't? Do you believe in me or do you don't? No, I'm not talking about times of doubt. Everybody goes through that. God, do you really hear me? God, do you really see me? God, do you really know me? That's not what he's saying. He's saying to those that run away, those that turn back, those that go back to Babylon. As John says, if they were of us, they would have stayed with us, but they weren't. So they were never of us. God just desires for us to believe, even if our faith is a grain of mustard seed, so small, so tiny, 
that even a squirrel would reject it. Just that much. To what? To be sure. Let's read it again. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That word sure means stable, firm. Listen, listen. The root word means stepping, walking, the foot, sure-footed. I'm walking as Abraham walked. I don't understand everything. Everything's not perfect. Everything's not the way I want it to go. Everything's not working out the way I want it to work out. But one thing is constant. One thing's sure-footed. One thing I can put my weight in every time I step in it. And that's the footsteps of faith. I will trust you. I will trust him even though he slays me. I will trust him through the thick and thin of life. I will trust him in the darkness. I would trust him with my sorrows. I would trust him with my heartaches. I would trust him with my success. Don't ever forget this. Success is just another cover for failure. What I mean by that is anything that takes your eyes off him. Anything beware of. Because see, as we're learning to walk in the steps of Abraham, then we learn things in Scripture. Now listen, this is from Hebrews. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, for men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them to an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutable of his counsel, excuse me, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed by an oath that by two immutable things, which is impossible for God to lie, notice that, which is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, we have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Now we understand why James and others say this. And scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God Know what a friend is somebody that stands beside you as you walk through the struggles, as you walk through the valley of darkness, as you walk through the peaks of the mountains, as you walk everywhere and anywhere your feet trod, I will go with you, as God said to Joshua. Always, whether we feel Him or not, His steps are there. And if you will, those steps change. It's not Abraham's footprints we're walking in. It's Jesus Christ's. It's the Lord. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. 
By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham's walking home to be with his Lord. How are we walking? See, to walk in the steps of Abraham is really, if you will, to walk in the giant's steps of the Lord who walks very slowly for us. That he says that where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I am, you shall be with me always. Do you believe this? He would say to us, do you trust me? This is not your home. You are just a pilgrim passing through. Did I mention that Abraham never saw those promises fulfilled in his lifetime except for the seed that came through Isaac? And you wonder too about the promises that God has given you. Did I mention Abraham lived 175 years of not seeing? Can you imagine that? I can't. I mean... You know, when I was younger, I didn't mind camping. I say I didn't mind camping because I was never really a big fan of it because I never slept. But I like being outside. I like being out there. But you know what? That was usually for a night or two. Abraham lived in a tent for 175 years. Even the mention of Jacob pulling up a rock for a pillow, it just sounds like, I'm sorry, but living hell. I said the H word, I'm sorry, but it just sounds horrible to me. (laughs) the marine speaks. (laughs) You would, again, though, 175 years of no air conditioning, 175 years of no microwave, 175 years of no, I'm hungry, I want a snack and go to the refrigerator. None of that. 175 years of being in the elements. But he knew something. This was not his home. It's just passing through. We go okay, Brian? The battery okay? We're just going through. Going home. That doesn't mean we're, we're away from responsibilities, but we trust Him who will give us those responsibilities. We trust Him that He will equip us when we need it. We trust Him that He'll lead us home. Never to be Apart from him again. Doesn't that sound wonderful? To walk as Abraham walked. To walk in faith. Will you stand? Lord, we all confess that many a times we've been as David and Abraham. We failed you. Failed you more times than we would ever like to count. But Lord, I pray for each of us that we heard that our sins are not imputed. You do not count them against us. They have been covered over and it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have forgiven us of all unrighteousness. You've forgiven us, Lord, of all our impurities. You've forgiven us, Lord, that we may be citizens of another world, another city, 
a city of righteousness and purity of love and hope, truth. A city that we don't deserve, but we've been given. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. And all this because of your work, not ours. What's our place? Again, just to believe. To trust. To have confidence. To know that this God that loves us will see us home. And Lord, I just pray as we've come before you that we understand for all your promises of God in Christ are yes and in him are amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us And given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And all we can say is Amen. And Amen.